The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, hey, good morning, New Song Church. How you doing? Good, good to see you this morning, and let me just say Merry Christmas. I think we can officially start to say that now, right? We're doing Christmas carols in church, so it's official. It's Christmas season, and I hope that Christmas season is not getting the best of you right now. Uh, If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. And while you're turning there, a couple of uh, just things I want to follow up on. Uh, I really want to encourage you that that January 31st service that we're not having here uh, to, to check out what we will have online. What do you, Brandon is wording something to me right now, and I can't see what it is. December 31st. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's an important one. <laughs> December 31st. We will not be having church here, uh, but we will be having church. We're going to do it online. And I've already uh, shot the video that we're going to make available to you. And I believe that God gave me a word that's very prophetic for our church and for the new year. So I want to encourage you to listen to that. But also, I've tasked our kids team with making all of you parents in here look really good, okay? So they're working on putting together some, some messages and some, uh, some elements for you that you can take and use so that you get to be your kids' children's pastors uh, as we start this new year. So I promise you we're going to make you look really good. Your parents are going to think you're geniuses. So make sure that you, uh, you log on. We'll have that website available to you as we get closer to that date. But it's going to be really good. Before I jump into today's message, I want to recognize a couple of people. Uh, pastor Mike and Renee Goolsbay are here this morning. They're pastors of Destiny Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Pastor Mike was also my junior high basketball coach. And we were good. We were, we were scrappy. You're pretty good. So we're, we're honored to have you guys with us this morning. Thank you for coming. And then also my sister is here this morning. Brooke is here. And I got to tell you a story about Brooke uh, because she's here and it's fun to mess with her a little bit because I'm up here and you're down there. But uh, when we were, <laughs> I was telling my kids about this yesterday, we were, we were driving around and you know, you have this moments as a parent where you're yelling at your kids in the back to be quiet and quiet down. And I remembered I was telling them this story of when I was a kid one time and me and my sister were kind of in the back and we were fighting and we were playing some game where we were hitting each other. And I remember like we were making noise and one of us was getting hurt and the other one was crying, you know, it's one of those things. And my dad finally turns around and he goes, all right, the next person who hits the other person, I'm pulling this car over and you're going to get a spanking. And so he says that, and then he keeps driving down the road, and my sister leans over to me and whispers, she goes, hey, I got in the last punch, so I'll let you hit me one more time. I was like, okay, cool. So I swing, hit her, oh, God, she starts crying, and my dad's like, are you kidding? Pulls over, I get a spanking. So Brooke, we're glad to have you here this morning. That's my sister. She's a lot sweeter nowadays. All right, Matthew chapter 2, we're in a series right now called Fixing Our Eyes, and we have been talking uh, over the last several weeks about seeing things from a different perspective, that we live in a natural world, and if we're, if we're not careful, we can get caught up with just looking at everything from a natural perspective, but, but God is a spirit, we are spirits, who we really are as spirits, and we need to see things from a spiritual perspective, and that's called walking by faith, and that's what God has called us to do. And today, I want to kind of pick up where David left off last week. If you were here last week, David did a great job preaching about uh, worship and how we not only engage with God in worship here at church, but how we can do it in our daily life. But I want to talk to you about another aspect of worship that maybe you don't even recognize as being an aspect of worship, but that is your giving. Today, I want to talk to you about fixing your eyes on giving. Turn to the person beside you and say, we're going to talk about giving this morning. 
And what I want you to see this morning is that giving is an act of worship. Uh, today we are beginning a, uh, uh, an end-of-the-year uh, giving campaign that we're doing here called A Heart for the House. And what we're doing is we're, we're asking you to, to pray and ask God to, to, to give something above your regular tithes and offerings as a sacrificial uh, gift, an act of worship to the church to help us to further do what we feel like God is calling us to do. And some of the things that God has laid on our heart is to do more with advertising, to get out in the community. In fact, one of the ideas that we have is we're gonna, we're gonna shoot a, a commercial for the church that we're gonna play in movie theaters here around the city. Uh, it's gonna be really cool and really help us to reach a different group of people that we haven't been able to reach. We're also gonna make some improvements to our kids' classrooms, uh, buying puppets, uh, buying some equipment to help us to do a better job, uh, giving us more money to, to bring on more staff. We're gonna be launching New Song Students in in the new year. We've got a youth pastor coming from, from Dallas, Texas, from the church that we were planted out of, Gateway Church, that's coming to help us launch youth ministry. So we've got a lot of things on the horizon. We feel like God is calling us to take some steps this year to do some bigger things, but in order for us to do that, we're going to have to take some steps of faith financially. And so what we're inviting you to do is, is give something financially, but really what I'm inviting you to do is, is give and, and, and participate in this act of worship that is giving. I've got three points for you this morning, and this first point is really not one of those three points, but it's kind of the theme of today's service, and that is this, giving is worship. If you're taking notes this morning, write that down. Giving is worship. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, he said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And in that little short statement, Jesus says something very profound. He says this, he says that your your heart follows your finances. Your heart follows your bank account. Your heart follows your money. Now, if you think about it, it really is that way. Why? Because money in our life is something that sources things to us. It's, it, we use our money for exchange to, to put a roof over our head and put clothes on our body and to put food on our stomachs. We need money. You need money to live in the world that we live in today. And so what can happen if we're not careful is is we start to look at money, instead of looking at it as a source, we begin to look at it as the source. Instead of seeing things from fixing our eyes, seeing things God's, through God's perspective, where we, we look at God as our source, we see money as our source. And here's the problem. If you see money as your source, you're going to have a hard time giving because you're giving from your source. But if you see God as your source, then it's easy to give money because God's your source. He asks you to give something. You know he's going to provide for you and he's going to take care of you. And so we've got to get past this. And Jesus said this. He goes on to say in verse 24 of Matthew 6, no one, everybody say no one. No. no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And look what he says next. You cannot serve both God and money. Nothing competes for your heart like your money. Nothing does. And if you remember last week, David talked about what worship is. And, and worship is this. Worship is whatever. Everybody say Whatever. Whatever gets our mind's attention, our heart's affection, and our life's submission. And I would argue that nothing fights for those things more than your finances. Your money gets your attention. Your money can get your affection. And if your money is not submitted to God, you become submitted to it. And you begin to chase after it, and it begins to lead you, and you're guided by it, and you can't really obey God and do what he's calling you to do because you're, you're afraid of what will happen if you give from this source, this source of your life. But God is our source. And I want to help you see this today in a powerful way. So today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look at the story of the wise men. We're going to look at the, kind of start getting into the Christmas story here a little bit. And what I want you to see today is I believe that what is, a, what is in front of the wise men 
in this story is what's in front of us today. The opportunities that were in front of the wise men that they were able to step into are the same opportunities that are available to us today. Uh, This story is one you've probably heard before. I'm sure everybody in here, whether you were raised in church or whether you know very little about church, you've heard of the wise men before. But I promise you, you were going to leave today uh, understanding them in a greater way and seeing some things you've never seen before. So Matthew chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. It says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So these wise men, I'll give you a little history. These wise men, uh, most theologians believe they were from Persia. And they see this star uh, and they begin to, to pursue it. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But they travel thousands of miles to come see this king of the Jews. It says in verse 2, them talk, they were talking to Herod here. Where, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have come, we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. If you, if you have a physical Bible with you, highlight that, circle that, make a note there, because that's a very important point. Verse three, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And this is very much a mark of the life of Herod the king. Herod was crazy. This guy was was a psycho. He was a very disturbed person, very paranoid person. Uh, he, was, he was very murderous. You'll see that more as we look at this today. In fact, he even murdered some of his own sons because he thought they were a threat to him. Uh, there's, there's actually, it's quoted as uh, the Roman emperor Augustus is quoted as saying this about Herod. He said, it was safer to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. So Herod is a disturbed individual, right? This guy's messed up, crazy. Verse 4, Uh, And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together. So he brings together the the Jewish Hebrew scribes and leaders of the day. These are like the pastors and leaders of the day. He brings them together, gathered them together. He asked them where uh, the Christ was to be born. Okay, so again, let me me give you a little bit of history here. Herod is is the king over this area, this Jerusalem area. And he's, he's trying to create Roman rule and oversee Roman government in Jerusalem. Most of the people that he's dealing with are not Roman people. They are Jewish Hebrew people who have their own customs, their own religious beliefs, their own way of doing things. And he doesn't really understand how that stuff works. So he's bringing these guys in, the leaders of these people, and asking them questions like, what, what's going on here? I'm hearing about a Messiah. I'm hearing about a king of the Jews. I'm the king of you people right now, so I, I need to understand this in a greater way. So he's wanting them to shed some light on the situation here. And so they said this, the Jewish leader said this to him, talking about the Messiah. They said, uh, in Bethlehem of Judea is where he would be born. For thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler, that's the Messiah, that's Jesus, who will be the shepherd, who will shepherd my people. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, so he, he takes the wise men, he pulls them aside, brings them into some kind of secret area or room or something where he just has them together, calls them together, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring, him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. That was not his intention at all, and you'll see that a little bit later. When they heard the king, they departed. This is talking about the wise men. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Okay, so again, let me, let me break this down for you. Uh, months earlier, in fact, probably a year and a half to two years earlier, the wise men were in Persia and they, were, they studied astrology. 
And one day they see this star in the distance. And when they see the star, it, it forces them to start to study to try to figure out what exactly is going on. They come across this, this, uh, this prophecy in Numbers chapter 24 that talks about this star that would appear over the city of Jacob that would be a sign that the Messiah had been born. And so they see this and they, they understand that the Messiah has been born in Israel somewhere. And so they begin to prepare to go so that they could worship this king. And so we don't know exactly when this happens, but at some point the star disappears. We don't know if it happened before they left or right after they left, but it disappears. But they, they know enough to know the general area that they're going to. So they, sh- they show up in Israel and they go to Jerusalem thinking, hey, these people are going to know. I mean, the Messiah has been born. This has happened like, like nine months ago. We're, we're here to, to worship him. And they show up thinking, hey, where's the Messiah? And nobody has a clue what they're talking about. No one knows. And so Herod is concerned about this. He brings them aside, talks to them about it, and he, he sends them out to go, find, uh, to go find Jesus. And he sends them to Bethlehem. But when they leave, the star that once disappeared has appeared again. And, and when it appears, it begins to lead them. This time it leads them. If you study this out, the way that, it, that theologians believe is the star was almost like a comet this time that went ahead of them, that arrived at the house where Jesus was and shone down on the house. Uh, it says this in verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Why? Because the star reappeared and now it was gonna lead them. We don't exactly know how it happened, but here's what we do know, okay? Here's what we know. It was a miracle, what God was doing was miraculous. He was going out of his way to get these people to where he wanted them to be. So they show up at the house where Jesus is, is at. Now, here's something you need to understand, okay? This whole idea that we have of the nativity, <laughs> that maybe you have in your house and I have in my house, where you've got Jesus in the little, you know, trough and Joseph and Mary and, and the little animals, you know, and, and the, the shepherds and the wise men. Uh, it didn't happen that way, okay? When the wise men showed up, this was a year and a half to two years later. The wise men were never at the nativity scene. They don't show up in Bethlehem. They actually go to, to Nazareth is where they, they see Jesus. And this is important because the king thought that he was in Bethlehem, but he wasn't. He was in Nazareth. They, were, they didn't go to Bethlehem. They went to Nazareth because the star led them there. Okay, so this is what happens. They, they show up at the house and they begin to go in. It says this, and when they had come into the house, notice it's a house, it's not, it's not the stable, it's, it's not the manger, it's the house, this is in Nazareth. They saw the young child. Now that idea there of young child is not a baby, it's like a toddler. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and notice it doesn't say anything about Joseph. Joseph was uh, probably at work. He was, he was a carpenter. He may have been out, you know, building some Joanna Gaines type table for someone at this time. <laughs> So he's not there, all right? And then look at what happens. Okay, this is where it gets really good. And they fell down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave. Everybody say gave. Gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream. Remember that, that's really important. That they should not return to Herod. They departed for their own country. Now this is a super cool, amazing story. And I believe today that in front of every one of us is the same opportunity that was in front of these wise men. I believe that in front of us today and every day is the opportunity to pursue God and to have a a supernatural encounter with the King of Kings, Jesus. We can have that. And so how do we step into that? 
How do we walk in that? How do we become wise men and women like they were? Okay, I've got three points for you this morning, and they all speak to us becoming wise men and women like the wise men in this story. Here's point number one. Wise men and women seek the king. Wise men and women seek the king. The wise men were seeking a personal encounter with the king. One of the things I love about New Song Church, every week you, you, hear, you hear us talk about this, that after the service, Sarah and I will be out in the lobby and we would love to meet you if you're a first-time guest at the church. And so after the services, we're out there and we're meeting people. It happened again this morning. We're out there, we're meeting people who are here for the first time. Maybe they're here for the second time. Maybe they've been coming for a month, but they've you know, finally decided to come and say hi to us, kind of take that next step. And let me just say, wherever you may be today, we just want to meet you, okay? Just come meet us at some point. We'd love to meet you. But I, I love this time and what happens every Every time, every time is we, we hear people say, make a statement to us that we hear, and it's said in a lot of different ways, but here it is. There's just something about this place. There's something about this place. And we'll hear people begin to talk about how they pulled into the parking lot, and, and when they got out of their car, they just, they could feel something here. And, and they came into the service, and they, they sat in, or they stood in worship and worshiped with everybody, and they just, they could feel something here. It was just something different. And they sat in the, and listened to the message and they could just, they could feel something. And they, they picked up their children and when they picked them up from the children's ministry classes, they could just, there's something different about their kids. And, and they'll tell us that there's just something about this place. Well, I can tell you what that something is. And it's actually not a something at all. It's actually a someone. And what people are experiencing is an encounter with the presence of God. And listen, the reason that people are experiencing an encounter with the presence of God is because we pursue it. We desire that encounter to take place here every week. And so we go after it. Every week we chase after that. And here's why. Listen, Jesus is the only one that can, that can heal a broken heart. Jesus is the only one who can take someone who is bound by sin and set them free. Jesus is the only one who can take someone who is dealing with a physical ailment in their body and bring healing to them. I can't do that. A good worship set can't do that. A really creative message can't do that. And we desire all those things... But more than anything, as a church, we desire to, to build a platform so that Jesus can shine and he can encounter his people. Yeah. We want you to have that. We desire that you would encounter the living, loving Jesus so much. In fact, you've probably heard us talk about this before. Our, our main goal here at New Songs, we want to help people know God, right? Hopefully you've heard that before. We want to help people know God. Turn to the person beside you and say, help people know God. We want to help people know God. Now, I don't know about you, but when we talk about knowing God, we're talking about not just learning about God, but, but knowing him, walking with him, having a relationship with him. And I don't know about you, but in my life, uh, it's a lot easier for me to get to know somebody if I get to have regular encounters with them, spend time with them. That's when I get to know somebody. And that's what we want to make available to you. And beyond just that here at church, here's what we want you to understand is you can have that every day. You can have an encounter with God like that on a daily basis. That's what God desires because here's the thing about God. God's not looking for a perfect atmosphere. He's just looking for a welcoming atmosphere. He's just looking for someone who is willing to say, God, I'm gonna go after you, I'm gonna pursue you. And when you do that, he comes, he comes. He, he, he's there. He's, and he, he's, he, doesn't just, he doesn't need your life to be perfect. He doesn't need everything to be worked out in order for him to show up. He will show up if you will welcome him into your life. I remember about five years ago, uh, my wife Sarah and I faced one of the toughest situations we've faced in our life. We were, we were going into the hospital for a 20-week checkup to find out if we were going to have a little baby boy or a little baby girl. You know, if it's going to be a blue room or a pink room, you know. 
And we were so excited and we'd had two kids already and we brought them with us and we were, we were just anticipating good news. But when we got in that day, we found out that the baby's heart had stopped beating. And it was right before 4th of July weekend. We found out too, because of it being that 4th of July weekend, different doctors being out, that my wife was gonna have to continue to carry this baby for three more days before she would be able to deliver the baby stillborn. So she would have to carry around a lifeless baby knowing it was, it was dead inside of her for three more days. And then she was gonna have to deliver it stillborn, which here's what that means. It means she would have to go in and go, with, go through everything that you go through to deliver a baby, except not have the cry of life at the end of it. And it was hard. And I remember every time we'd ever gone into the hospital to have a baby before, we were so excited, so full of life and joy, and there was balloons, and it was just, but this night when we went in, it was just sorrow and heartbreak. And I remember in, that, in the middle of that night, about two o'clock in the morning, she started experiencing intense labor pains. And I didn't want to be there, and she didn't want to be there, and I can't think of anybody that wanted to be there. And as we were sitting there, it felt like we were losing. And we made a choice. We got out her, her iPhone and we chose in that moment that we were gonna worship God. And we put some worship music on and in spite of our feelings, we began to worship God. And you know what happened? Jesus showed up. One of the most powerful encounters I've ever had with the presence of God happened in that hospital room. See, Jesus doesn't look at a situation like that and go, ah, oh, that's a little, that's a little dark. Like, that's gonna be uncomfortable. I'll stay you know, over here. No, he, he came running because he's not looking for a perfect atmosphere. He's just looking for a welcoming atmosphere. And, and my question for you today is, are you satisfied with just seeing God at a distance? Or do you wanna have a real encounter with him? I read this quote this week. I thought it was really good. Uh, it says, you will never possess what you will not pursue. You'll never possess an encounter with God. You'll never possess the presence of God in your life if you're not willing to pursue it. The wise men were willing to pursue it. They weren't happy with God at a distance. They wanted to pursue it. So what did they do? They, they packed up their stuff. They counted the cost of what it was gonna take to travel. And then they went on this long journey to get there. And I want you to understand something today. Like the wise men in front of you today and every day is an opportunity to have an encounter with Jesus. No matter what your situation may look like, no matter how bad it may be, Jesus will come running if you'll just welcome him into your life. But in order for him to come, you have to welcome him in. And wise men and women, that's exactly what they do. So here's point number two. If you're taking notes, write this down. Wise men and women worship the king. One of the things we see in these wise men is they, they came to worship the king. They didn't come to get something from him. They came to give something to him. Look at what it says back in verse two. When they, when they showed up uh, and saw Herod, they said, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. They came to worship him. They came to give him their worship. Now, when they finally encounter him in verse 11, I want you to see what they did. In verse 11, when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They came to give him worship. And part of how they worshiped him was with giving. They gave to him because remember, we said at the beginning, worship is giving. Worship is giving. 
We talk about this all the time here at New Song, that, that worship is love expressed, right? We express our love to God in worship. And when we do that, what we expect is, as we worship him because God's a giver, and we, we express our love to him, that he's going to express his love back to us. And so we worship him with our, we, we give him our worship. Well, we're in Christmas season right now, right? And at this time of the year, what do we do? Well, we go out and, and we go to the stores and we, we deal with all the difficult people and all the situations to get our loved ones the gifts that we want to give them. And then we wrap them up and on Christmas Day, what do we do? We express our love to our family members and to the people we love by giving them gifts because giving is a part of expressing our love. And what I want you to see today is giving is a part of your worship to God. You can worship God with your giving. So, so here's what happens. The wise men show up, and it says that they encounter Jesus. And when they encounter him, now this is a one-and-a-half to two-year-old toddler Jesus. It says that they fell down and began to worship him. Now, we get a picture of, like, you know, they came in, and it was like, oh, Jesus, we're so cool. it's so cool to be here. You know, we worship you. Kind of think of that. But that's not what happened. If you study this out, when it talks about them falling down, they were knocked down by the presence of God. The power of God hit them in such a way that it floored them. They hit the deck. And in fact, it talks about how they were held down like they couldn't get up. <laughs> Two-year-old Jesus, he's got something going on. <laughs> and then when they finally, they, they have this encounter with his power and his presence and it moves them in such a way that when they finally do arise, what do they do? They give gifts. They opened up their treasury and they gave gifts to him. And what were these gifts? Well, they, they bring these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And you can do a lot of study on what these gifts were and how they represented his, his deity and his humanity and the sacrifice that he was going to make. And, and that's all well and good. I'd encourage you to check out that stuff. But here's what I want you to see about these gifts. These gifts, uh, they gave these gifts. Why gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Because it was their best. See, for a Persian pers person at that time, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh were the, the greatest uh, most sacred elements that they had. That's what they were known for. So when they gave him these gifts, they were giving him their best. But beyond that, they were also making a sacrificial gift to him. There's a statement in this verse that is kind of overlooked sometimes, but it says that they, they opened up their treasury. Now, you got to understand something about Bible times. Bible times are different than today, right? When people traveled back then, they didn't have like credit cards and check cards like we do. When we, when we travel, we went to Florida this summer, we didn't have to bring like a treasure chest of money with us because we have the ability to tap into our accounts no matter where we are in the world these days. But back then, they didn't have that ability. So they had to count the cost and they had to weigh out and carefully determine what they were going to need. And typically when people were going on a long journey, they would bring about double what they needed just in case something, some unforeseen thing would happen that they, they had no idea of some danger or a problem or an illness or bandits or whatever could arise. They wanted to make sure they had more than enough to cover them. So they would bring, so on this journey, they were, they were traveling nine months to get to Jerusalem. Then it was going to be nine months back. So that's 18 months. So they would bring 36 months worth of, of finance with them. And, and part of that would be placed in their treasury. So what, here's, here's what happened. When they encountered Jesus, they have this life-altering, powerful encounter with him. After that, they bring him these gifts. And what do they bring him? They bring him these gifts from their treasury. Here's what they're doing. They're giving to him of their safety net. Here's what you see. Before, this may have been a source for them to take care of them. But after encountering Jesus in a real way, I believe what happened is they quit looking at this as their source and started seeing him as their source. 
And instead of depending on this to get them back home safely, they started counting on him to get them back home safely. And what's amazing about this story is the very next verse speaks to them stepping into a new kind of relationship with God. Look at what it says here. Verse 12, uh, it says this. Then they being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod. Here's what that means. Divinely warned. Here's what that means. God spoke to them. God showed them something. Now let me remind you, when they showed up here, God had to do some miraculous things to get them there. He had to use stars and comets and lights and all sorts of stuff. When they show up in Israel, they had to have other people interpret what the scripture said so they could understand it in a greater way. They didn't know exactly what was going on. But after they encounter God and after they give this gift to God of faith, because that's what it took. It took to quit leaning on their own understanding, quit leaning on their own ways, a gift of faith. After they did that, they step into immediately a new kind of relationship with God where they're hearing God like they've never heard him before. And what I want you to see this morning is that when we obey God and we, we, we truly take, take a, the stance that we're going to be the kind of people that's going to pursue encounters with God. We're going to pursue him, not just here at church, but on a daily basis, encounters with him where we get to, to be in his presence. When we make the decision that we're going to walk by faith and not by sight, that we're not going to lean on our own understanding, we're not going to trust in our own, our bank account and our own ways, but we're going to trust in him. When we, that's a step of faith. And when we walk by faith, we're able to step into a new kind of relationship with God where he speaks to us and leads us and directs us in an amazing way. That's good news, people. And that's available to every one of us. And it's for that reason that we have an enemy who resists us so much in this area. See, you need to, you need to understand something this morning. There's an enemy that hates you worshiping the king. He, and he, he will do anything he can to keep you from fully worshiping God the way God desires for you to worship him with full trust. In fact, here's my third point this morning. Wise men and women overcome adversity. Wise men and women overcome adversity. There was some adversity in front of the wise men. When they show up in Jerusalem, Herod is there. And Herod, listen, he wants to stop them from worshiping the king. He tells them, you, you guys go ahead, you go find him and then come back and report to me. But what he wants to do is he wants to kill the wise men and he wants to kill Jesus. And we know this because right after this, uh, the, the Herod puts out this edict that says all of the babies two years old and, and younger have to be put to death. He wanted to stop the worship of the king. And listen, I want you to understand there is an enemy to your life that wants to stop you from worshiping God fully. And he's going to do everything he can. So here's what he'll do. You know, we're, we're starting our, our heart for the house Giving And maybe this week, as I talked about last week, you, you, you went to the Lord and you prayed about, you know, a, a gift that you could give and, and maybe God put something on your heart and then immediately you started having fear and doubt started rising up. Well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And what, these what ifs start popping up. That's the enemy because he wants to keep you from what God wants you to experience. But I think this, I think one of the great ways that the enemy tries to keep us from worshiping God fully today, one of his great tactics is, is apathy. He wants to get us apathetic when it comes to the things of God. He wants us to be right in the middle of maybe what God is doing and yet be missing the whole thing. I was, I was thinking about this this week. Remember how Herod brings in the Jewish priests and leaders and all these people. He brings them in and he asks them questions about what's going on with the Messiah. And what do they do? They're able to go right to scripture and show him stuff because they knew what they were talking about. These guys knew about the Messiah. They knew the prophecies. They knew about Numbers 24. They knew about all this stuff. And yet, listen, 
Jesus is on the scene. (laughs) Jesus has been born like a year and a half before in Bethlehem, right down the street, and they have no idea it's going on. It's happening right in front of them. They're right around it, and they have no clue. They know all the information, and yet they can't see the signs. They can't see it. Why? I believe it's because they were, they were apathetic. They, they got used to it. They knew all the info, but they were no longer looking in faith. They were no longer looking for it. They were just kind of going through the motions. And I think if we're not careful, we can step into the same kind of stuff. God can be moving all around us, and we can get kind of apathetic to us. You know, one of the things I I want you to understand here about New Song Church is God is doing some incredible things in this church. And I know I'm the pastor, and so maybe you're like, yeah, yeah, the pastor's always that. No, I'm telling you, this is really happening here. I have people that, that come and, and, and leaders and pastors and different people, people we've had that have come and guests uh, spoke here that, that they come to me and they say, what, what's going on here is not normal. And it's not. You need to understand that what God is doing here is incredible. What we've seen, marriages completely turned around. We've had couples in this church that were getting, they were ready to, to sign the divorce papers that are now walking in an amazing relationship with each other. We've had people that were addicted to drugs that have been set free. We've had healings take place. Miraculous healings. I know, again, that's not pastor speak. Miraculous healings. God is healing people in our church, physically healing people in amazing ways. I'll give you a couple of of stories. We we had a lady in the church who had been in a car accident and had been suffering with pain from this car accident for years afterwards, been just dealing with this chronic pain. And one day in one of our services, she prayed and asked God to heal her. And she got healed. Pain was gone. We, we had a, a guy in the church that had a, a heart murmur, was dealing with this heart murmur that would cause him to not be able to, to sleep at night. He'd lay down at night and he, he would start to, to, to feel this murmur and it would cause him to have anxiety and was going to the doctor and taking medicine. And, and God's healed him of this. He's been healed of it. There, there, a couple weeks ago, we were at a worship night. I don't know if you guys were here, but you may remember, I got up and I said, there's somebody here, God's telling me, there's somebody here that's having pain in their left shoulder. I believe God wants to, to heal you of that. I had somebody come to me later and said, that was me, and God healed my shoulder. I've been dealing with pain for months, and it, I've been healed. We had a lady in the church that was suffering with endometriosis, was causing her really horrible pain, and God healed her. God is doing amazing things in this church. It's happening all around us. We're seeing people saved in this church. We're seeing people rededicate their lives in this church. We, we had a couple, just a couple weeks ago, this is really cool, that came to the church and they got saved. And, and that happens all the time here. But what was so cool about this is they, were, they had been raised Hindu. And so not only did they get saved, they renounced a religion and said that Jesus is the one true God. And since then, yeah, isn't that cool? And they had been, they'd been suffering with some, some sickness and things like that. And they went into the doctor and, and they're, 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 getting, they're being healed. They're receiving healing from that. We, we've had people that are addicted to pornography here in the church that have been set free. We've had people that were, were living uh, the same sex lifestyle uh, in relationships. And they've been set free from that. God is doing some incredible stuff here. It's happening all around us. And listen, this is too good for us to keep to ourselves. Some of you have experienced these things. Some of you have come to know God in the greatest way of your life. Your relationships have been mended. Your life has been turned around. And there's other people out there outside of this church that aren't experiencing that. They're hurting this morning. They're broken. They're lost. They're sick. And they need help. And we're called to bring it to them. That's what we're called to do. And what I want you to understand this morning, I want you to see this morning, is that the enemy wants to keep you from that. He wants to keep you from being a part of it. Because see, your giving helps make, helps make life change possible. 
Your giving helps make it possible for us to do what God's calling us to do. And so the enemy's going to fight against that. He's going to come to you and he's going to say, no, you shouldn't do that. You need to be afraid. What, what if he, he's going to tell you, your money's your source. You can count on your money. But I'm telling you, God is your source. He's going to come to you and say, no, you just feel apathetic about it. And you may be feeling that way right now. Well, you know, I've given before. I'm not really feeling it this time. Really? Not feeling it? Like, you want to go with that answer? Since when does feeling have anything to do with obedience? Because I kind of remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood. I don't think he was feeling having nails driven through his hands and his feet. But he didn't do it because he felt it. He said, not my will, but yours be done. He obeyed God. We're called to obey God. And your giving helps create life change. It makes it possible. I, I love it. This, this weekend, uh, we, we were able to, to fill up these stockings for the homeless people. And we went out yesterday and we're giving these out to these homeless guys. And it, it's just, it's, it's cool that we get to minister to people this way. Because of your giving, we're, we're able to help moms that are in need right now that are in abusive homes. And kids that are in abusive homes are gonna have an amazing Christmas this year. Uh, there, there's people in our church that you, you don't even hear about this kind of stuff. There's people in our church that things happen to them. They lose their jobs. They're struggling for whatever reason. And we've come alongside of them and helped them out financially and then helped them to get on the right path to get themselves where they need to be so that they can you know, have the kind of life God's called them to. Because of your giving, that's all possible. Because of your giving, we partner with churches, uh, with a church organization that plants churches all over the world. I hope you know that. Like every month we give money to help plant churches all over the world. You're a part of that. We're a part of that. That's what we get to do because of your giving. Because of your giving, we're going to continue to reach outside of these four walls of this building to reach outside into the community and make a difference, to, to better serve and steward the, the precious children that God has given us back here that are the future of the church, to care for them and, and fill them up with the word like they're supposed to be. Because of your giving, we're, we're going to be able to, to reach out and have a louder voice in this community so more people. Yeah, did you know that the church has doubled since the beginning of this year? That's really cool, but I'm not happy with that. It's not good enough. I want to double again next year. I hope you're down for that because that's what I'm down for. I've had people come to me before and say, well, we, we like New Song because it's, it's kind of small. Well, if that's why you like New Song, you probably need to leave because we're not going to stay small. That's not the plan at all. We want to grow. We want to continue. Why? Because there's people out there that don't have it like we have it. Life change happens when we give. And I want you to know, one of the greatest life change that takes place is in your life when you give. I remember uh, about 13 years ago, me and Sarah had kind of the first time in our life when we felt God calling us to make a sacrificial gift. And we were, we were fairly newly wed at this time. We did not make a lot of money. We were living paycheck to paycheck at the time. Uh, and, and we decided we wanted to get this little love seat couch at Mathis Brothers. You know, we had our eye on it. It was, it was a hot look. And so we, were, we looked at it. And we were like, okay, we're going to get this. But we had already made some really bad decisions. I say we. I had made some really bad decisions financially. And got us into some debt early on in our marriage. And uh, we didn't want that to happen again. So we were like, we're never going to just buy something that we don't have the money for. So we were going to save for this. But again, we, had, we did not have enough money, uh, barely at the end of the month, to even pay for our bills. 
So we, we looked at this and we were like, okay, we're going to do this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to save. We're going to quit going to movies. We'll watch movies at home. We're going to quit going out as much to eat. If we eat out, we're going to go to, you know, fast food, Taco Bueno, which Sarah loves anyways. Uh, we're going to... We're going to eat when we eat at home. We'll do a couple of dinners a week that are really cheap, eggs, bacon, and toast, and peanut butter and jelly. You know all the stuff that you do when you're trying to save money. And we started saving money. And after about six months, we had enough money to buy this couch. And we made the really dumb decision of going to church that weekend. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Never a dumb decision to go to church. But we went to church that weekend, and there was a, uh, a missionary at our church named Reinhard Bonnke. And he got up and started talking about how he wanted to give... Uh, a million Bibles away to people in, in countries and lands where they, they didn't have access to the Bible. And so I remember sitting there and thinking, okay, well, we're not getting our couch today because we're, you know, we're going to need to give to this. And I, I, was, I was fine with that. And I remember our pastor got up and he said at the end of the service, he said, I want you to take a moment. I want you to pray. I want you to ask God what he would have you do. So I bowed my head and I said, okay, Lord, what is it you would have me do? And very quickly I heard the Lord say, give it all. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> But no, it was really strong. Like, felt like God was saying, I want you to give all your savings away. And so I began to negotiate, right? Like we do. Oh God, what if we gave, that can't be the Lord. Like that's not even smart. What if we gave a tithe of our savings? No. What if we gave, okay, God, I'll, I went out 50%. But I really felt like God was saying, give it all and just see what I do. And so now, I, and this is all going on in my, my mind. I got my head bound. I'm like, okay, Lord, well, here's the thing. This isn't just my money. This is Sarah's money. She's been a part of this. She's been saving. She's been, so I need you to talk to her, <laughs> please. And so I, I, re- I lifted up my head and I leaned over to her and I was like, hey, did you, did you get anything? She was like, yeah. Okay, well, what did you get? You tell me first. <laughs> no, you tell me first. I asked first. No, you tell me first. We went back and forth, just like we did a few minutes ago in the green room back here. (laughs) But finally, I was like, okay, I feel like God said to give it all. And she said, yeah, I got the same thing. So we got out our checkbook, which for those of you younger, is this piece of paper. (laughs) We got our checkbook, and we wrote a check that completely emptied out our savings account, except it left enough in there to to cover um, us not getting, like, penalties from our bank. And we, we put it in the bucket and we watched it go away. And we knew it was a sacrifice. We knew that that meant no, no couch. That meant another six months of peanut butter and jelly. We knew what that meant. And I remember getting in the car with Sarah afterwards and driving away from church. But, but we were both full of joy. We weren't dreading that. We, we obeyed God. And we were full of joy. And I said, I don't know how God's going to do it, but I, I think something cool is going to happen. And two weeks later, I get a phone call. And it's this youth pastor that I've never met before from a church in Houston, Texas called Lakewood Church. Anybody heard of Lakewood Church? It's one of the biggest churches in America, Joel Osteen, yeah. I don't know this guy. And he calls me up and he said, hey, I heard you were a graphic designer and I heard you're pretty good. I wanted to see if maybe you could do a project for us. And I was like, yes. And we began to talk about it and negotiated what, we were gonna, what he was gonna pay. And it was almost to the dollar exactly what we had given. Isn't that awesome? Story's not over. Don't clap yet. <laughs> so I did that project. I remember calling Sarah up and be like, you're not going to believe this. Like we're, we're already, God's paying us back. Like we're going to go get the couch and we were so excited about it. Well, then a couple weeks later, I get another call from this guy. He's like, man, we love what you did. I got three more projects for you. 
Okay, I did those projects. And then when those were over, I got another project for you and another project and another project. Finally, he calls me up one day a few months later and says, hey man, we want you to be our graphic designer. We wanna pay you a monthly stipend to do all our graphics for us uh, so you'll, you can know what's coming in, what you can count on. So is that cool with you? Yeah, that's cool with me. <laughs> But that wasn't the end of it. That's pretty cool, but that wasn't the end of it. Then we start getting, I start getting calls from people I don't know. And they're just like, hey, we were at Lakewood and we saw some of your stuff and we love it. And we'd like to see if you could do some stuff for me. And this kept going on and snowballing to the point that finally I had to start, I had to quit taking jobs. I couldn't take any more. There was too much work. And out of that, we were able to give more. Out of that, we were able to do things to our house, remodeling projects to the point, I'm telling you, out of that one gift came hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we are still reaping from that gift today. Why? Because we obeyed God. We just obeyed God. And what I want you to see today is that the same opportunity that was in front of the wise men, the same opportunity that was in front of us, is the same opportunity that's in front of you. Yes. Now, let me show you one more thing. I, I love this. This is so cool. One last thought. It hit me this week as I was looking at this story of the wise men. Okay, so the wise men, they come and they give these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Jesus, right? Now, you really think about it. Jesus is one and a half to two years old. He has no use for myrrh. <laughs> like, Jesus doesn't need myrrh. He's two. So what really happened? Well, the, the, the wise men presented the gifts to Jesus, but they were giving the gifts to his mom and dad. And here's what they were doing. They were counting on Mary and Joseph to take those gifts and to use them for the cause of Christ. In the same way, here's what I want you to see today. What God lays on your heart and asks you to obey and give to him. While you may be giving it to New Song Church, you're presenting it as an act of worship to Jesus. And we are going to take it and we are going to use it for the cause of Christ, for the purposes of Jesus Christ in this earth to further build his name in the lives of people and change this city for the glory of God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? The gifts that the wise men brought were extravagant gifts that were a reflection of the value that they placed on Jesus. And my question for you this morning is, does your giving reflect the value that you place on Jesus? Charles Spurgeon, I read this quote this week, Charles Spurgeon said this, he says, those who look for Jesus will see him. In other words, those that pursue Jesus are gonna encounter him. Those who truly see him will worship him and those who worship him will consecrate their substance to him. So today, here's what I present you with. I present you with the same opportunity that was presented to, with me, to me years ago, and I present it to you with boldness because I know the faithfulness of my God, that whatever he's asking you to do, he will take care of you, and he is your source. I'm asking you to pray and say, God, what is it you would have me do? What is it you would have me give? Take a moment and just listen. And I'm asking you to not walk by your spiritual or your physical sight, your physical thinking, but to walk by faith. And I'm not trying to pressure you this morning. In fact, uh, I would encourage you to talk to your spouse about this, be in agreement if you're married. But I wanna invite you to step out in faith and worship God with your giving this Christmas season and just see what God does.
Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we love you and we're grateful for who you are in our life. We're grateful for all that you've given us. Lord, we're grateful that you gave the greatest gift you could ever give. You gave yourself so that we could be saved, so that we could step into salvation, so we could have a relationship with you. And so we offer ourselves fully to you. We don't hold back any area of our life. We don't lean on our own understanding. We don't put our faith in our own abilities. We put our faith in you. Help us to be people who walk by faith and step out in faith. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.